Good morning, good morning, and a special welcome back to the ladies who went away at uh, the ladies' retreat this past weekend. I heard it was, I've received several praise reports already of just how amazing it was and how you guys had like facials and stuff. Guys, we shot guns. Ladies, cake your face with stuff. I don't even know what stuff goes into a facial. Um, but uh, confession, I have gotten a pedicure before, and uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, so, so dudes, don't knock it till you try it. All right, so, so just a little public service announcement. So uh, once again, ladies, welcome back. Um, we're celebrating all the different ways that God has moved this past weekend, and uh, we're excited to be worshiping here together. For those of you who are new to ACF, welcome. My name is Dan Min. I serve as the pastor here at ACF, and um, it's my joy to bring God's word to you here this morning. In fact, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. If you have a smart device or uh, an iPad or an iPhone, or um, go ahead and uh, open up to your Bible at Matthew chapter 6. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, have some folks coming around. They'll get a Bible to you here this morning. And uh, we'd love for you to look along with us. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the text up here on the screen as well in just a few moments. As you're finding your place, let me just tee this message up for you. Jesus goes into a section of his sermon here where he talks about an area of life that we may be all too familiar with. You know, as, as, as I meet with different kinds of students all across campus and even within our church family, this is a common thread in so many of the lives of the people that I talk with, and it's the issue of anxiety, the issue of anxiety. Now, <clears throat> I cannot possibly cover the full spectrum of the issue of anxiety in a 20 to 30 to 40 minute talk on a Sunday morning. Uh, But I want to look at what Jesus has to say about the issue of anxiety. Jesus addresses the issue of anxiety here in Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. And I want to read together what Jesus has to say on this very subject. And so meet me at Matthew 6, verse 25. We're going to carry it through to verse 34. And we'll spend some time unpacking what Jesus has to say for us here today. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Jesus talking. He says, therefore I tell you. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And he wraps up this chapter, this section, 
And he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Hey, Robert, can you get get me that bottle of water? Thanks, bro. Hey, uh, forgive me, church. I'm fighting off uh, a cold, a sickness, a flu. I don't know what is going on here, but uh, my throat is feeling a little bit scratchy, so bear with me here today. Um, Before we unpack this message, I want to just state a few things clearly right off the bat. I think this will help us set up for this message well. Number one, you need to know I'm not a licensed psychiatrist. I'm not a professional counselor. I'm not a doctor of any kind. I'm not equipped, nor am I trying to speak on the subject of anxiety from a mental health perspective. Okay, so let me just, let me just state that out on, on the front end. And so there are some of us here dealing with anxiety from a, from a health point of view. Perhaps you're, you're on medication for anxiety and depression, and, and, and that's helping you deal with, your, with the issues of anxiety that rise up in your life. And, and I'm here to say, church, that's okay. That's okay. I'm not here to say you should or you shouldn't. In fact, I'm not even here to give you a diagnosis here because that's not my role. I'm a pastor, not a doctor. And so I'm not gonna attempt to speak on anxiety from a health and mental perspective. Rather, I wanna speak on anxiety from a faith perspective. In other words, the question I want us to be able to answer is, what role does my faith play in my anxiety? What role does my faith play out in my anxiety? Now, this this leads me to the second thing I want to say real quickly. I want you to see that this message is actually for everyone, not just the one who has been medically or clinically diagnosed with anxiety. You see, anxiety has many different layers, if you didn't know this already. Some people feel anxiety in sort of passing moments. They, it sort of comes and goes, you know, and, and some days is better and other days it's, it's, it's crippling. While others live with this daily, ongoing, sort of perpetual sense of anxiety in their lives. Some feel it very deeply, while others feel it more superficially. But the truth of the matter is this. We all deal with anxiety on some level. Whether it's on a superficial level or whether it's on on a deep level, whether it's on a daily level or whether it's more sporadic, every single one of us faces anxiety on some level. And my hope is is that you will see God in the midst of your anxiety, that you will be able to find God in the midst of your anxiety, because once again, we're looking at this from a faith perspective. We're approaching anxiety from a faith perspective. And so let me just offer this one final thought, thought, and we'll jump back into the passage. This passage at first glance can seem a little off-putting for those who are actually struggling with anxiety on, on, like a, on a deep level. You see, it could seem like Jesus is simply fluffing people with anxiety off, and, and it's as if he's saying, just, just stop being anxious, right? Like when Jesus says, do not be anxious, church, hear me, he is not being dismissive here. He, he's not being dismissive and, and cold-hearted. I mean, what a, what a horrific thing it would be for Jesus to come to someone who is struggling deeply with anxiety and simply says, oh, just stop it. Just, just cut it out, Just stop being anxious, right? I mean, not only would that be incredibly insensitive, it would be highly unrealistic for someone who's struggling with anxiety to just stop it. After all, if it were that easy, none of us would be struggling with anxiety, would we? If it was just that easy to just stop it. 
So no, Jesus isn't trying to be dismissive here or cold-hearted here. He's not trying to minimize anxiety's effect on our lives. You need to understand that. You need to hear that as you're listening to the words of Jesus. He's not trying to minimize anxiety's effect on our lives. He's just trying to help us look at anxiety from a different angle. He's just trying to get us to look at it from a different angle. In fact, there have been some folks in my life that have helped me see anxiety from a different angle. I have a pastor friend back in New York who describes anxiety this way. He says, anxiety is a master who can never be satisfied. Anxiety is the language of hell. It is imagining worst case scenarios. The problem is that by envisioning them, you actually experience them. So that the pain of an uncertain future actually becomes the reality of your present. So that instead of preparing you for the future, it actually weakens you in the present. Anxiety makes you experience a future that is dreaded but never happens. But here's the kicker. But it tricks you into believing it's a power source for getting your work done. A power source for being responsible, for loving and caring all the while... Stealing, killing, and destroying your strength, your joy, and your peace. Here's essentially a shorter version of this description. Anxiety is the process of creating a reality that has not happened and connecting emotion to that imagined reality. It is forcing myself to experience a loss that has not occurred. That's from Janet Milan. She came and spoke at at ACF Midweek last semester, and if you were there, you might recall her talking about this. She spoke on anxiety. You see, Jesus is trying to get us to look at anxiety from a different angle, and that's what this passage is about. This passage isn't about people just stop being anxious. Is it that hard? Is it that, that's not what, that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is, hey, people of God, is it possible, perhaps, that we can maybe look at anxiety from a different angle? angle, particularly through a faith lens. And when we look at anxiety through a faith lens, we just might discover the key to overcoming some of our anxieties. And the first thing that Jesus shows us is this. Number one, you must first realize your value. You must first realize your value. This passage is an interesting passage. Because God makes a, a couple of comparisons here. He makes several comparisons. He compares us to a few different things. The first one comes at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. Which I imagine people are like, what? Okay, I'm looking. Look at the birds of the air. He says, okay, so, so on one hand, you've got the birds of the air. And on the other hand, you've got the children of God. You and me. Then jumping down to the end of verse 28, he points to the lilies of the field. He says, consider now the lilies of the field. Okay, so again, on one hand, you've got the lilies of the field, and on the other hand, you've got the children of God, you and me, the people of God. And then he makes one final comparison in verse 30. He says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, okay, so thus far, God has compared us the children of God, the people of God, to the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, and then he moves on to the grass of the field. Now, 
Do you want to know what the common denominator in all of these comparisons is? It's you. You're the common denominator, specifically the value that God places on you. Your value is the common denominator in all of these comparisons. In fact, did you catch the question at the end of verse 26? This is a key question. Don't miss it. Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? Now, now he's talking, he's specifically talking about the birds of the air here at this moment, but essentially he's covering the whole, whole, the whole spectrum, the, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, the grass of the field. He says, are you not of more value than they? By the way, this is a rhetorical question. Jesus is not looking for a response here. Rather, he's looking to make a point. In fact, Jesus intentionally chooses things with little value. You gotta understand, birds were the peasant's animal. The, the, the birds during that time, during antiquity, wasn't this majestic creature that, that rich people carried in their possession. Birds were, were a poor man's animal to own. Lilies of the field, grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. He intentionally chooses things with little value to show us that, listen, if God cares for things like birds and lilies and grass, how much more will God care for you? see, many of us have bought into this lie, I don't know where we got this lie from, that God will not and perhaps even cannot take care of my life. That our lives are ours to take care of. And for many of us, that is at the root of our anxiety because when we believe that our lives are ours to take care of and then we come face to face with our inadequacies, our shortcomings, our failures, our utter inability to actually take care of our lives, all of a sudden we feel the overwhelming weight of anxiety flooding our lives. It's like, holy crap, I, I, it doesn't look like I got my life under control the way I thought. Oh, my goodness, I, I don't think I've got a good handle on my life the way I maybe have thought. You see, when we believe that our lives are ours to take care of, we are opening the door of anxiety to come on in. We're opening the door of anxiety to say, hey, come and sit at my table when we believe this lie that our lives are ours to take care of. You see, the message of Jesus here is your life is not your own to begin with. It was bought with a price. Your life belongs to the Father in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, that is who your life belongs to. And so Jesus says here, hey, realize your value because in realizing your value, you're actually gonna discover the cure to your anxiety. Because if God cares for the birds of the air and the lilies and the grass of the field, how much more will God care for you? Realize your value. I feel like we can spend a whole, whole next 30 minutes just talking about what is our value? Where does our value, our sense of worth and significance come from? And we can spend a whole lot of time talking about that. But for now, we're just going to leave it at that. Realize your God-given value. Now listen, when you realize your value and you realize that God not only has the ability but also the desire to take care of your life, then you can do number two, which is receive God's grace. Receive God's grace. I love the way Jesus describes these different elements, the birds, the lilies, the grass, 
Not only do they have very little value, and perhaps this is part of the reason why they have little value, they do very little. They actually do very little. Listen to what Jesus says about the birds. He says, look at the birds of the air, okay? I was on the birds. I want you to see. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. I mean, what good are birds, right? Like, they don't, they don't do nothing. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns. And he says, yet your heavenly Father feeds on them. For bird lovers, I'm not trying to knock you. Okay, birds are cool. Like, but, but Jesus, listen, he's saying, look at the birds. They, they, they don't do a whole lot, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he points to the lilies. And he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they, how they grow. But look, they're, they're not grown because they toil or spin, they neither toil nor spin. And then the grass, well, they don't do much. In fact, they're alive today and tomorrow. They're thrown into the oven. In all of these cases, Jesus is saying, it's not about what these things do. It's about what God does for them. It's not about what the birds do or the lilies do or what the, what the grass does. It's about what God does for them, even in spite of them doing absolutely nothing. Now that, friends, is the very definition of grace. It's unmerited favor. Grace is receiving God's best when we've done nothing to deserve it. That's the great scandal of the gospel of Jesus that we, we subscribe to. That we are recipients of heaven's greatest gift when we've done absolutely nothing to deserve it. Romans 5 tells us, but, but God shows his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. You did not save yourself. You did not bring heaven down to earth. Heaven came down to earth. You did not bring heaven down to earth. This is not your own doing. Notice, he says, it is a gift from God. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace, uh, Romans 11, I'm sorry, it says, but it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, has nothing to do with your works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. Grace ceases to be grace when we add our work to the finished work of Jesus. We eliminate the effects and the power of grace when we add our work to the finished work of Jesus. Listen, friends, do you see, are you beginning to see how this is the ultimate good news for those of us who struggle with anxiety? You see, anxiety, you got to understand, and, and some, some of you are, are, are uh, you know, uh, more of an expert and, and, and uh, you have a personal grasp on this aspect of anxiety. Anxiety puts the pressure on us. Anxiety puts the demands on us. It puts the stress on us. It puts the weight on us because anxiety says it's up to us. That's what anxiety says. It's up to you. And so we feel the pressure, we put the pressure, we put the demands, we put the stress all on us because we believe that it's up to us. But Jesus says, no, that is not the gospel of grace. The good news of grace is that even if you do nothing at all, God will care for you simply because he values you. Seriously? We, we, we can receive this gift without doing anything? Simply based on God's opinion about me? Do you see why it's so important to start realizing your value? Because unless you realize your value, you can never receive God's grace. Because you're going to feel unworthy. You're going to feel less than. You're not going to feel like you deserve it. And the fact is, you don't deserve it, but that's the beauty of grace. 
See, when we realize our value, that God actually cares for me more than the birds of the air, the grass of the field, the lilies of the field, if, if, we, if I understand my, my God-given value, then I can come to God with open hands and say, God, I'm ready to receive your grace. I'm ready to receive the grace that you have for me. And so you don't need to toil or spin. You don't need to sow nor reap or gather into barns. All you need to do is receive God's grace today. Brothers and sisters, is that not good news for your soul this morning? All we need to do is receive the grace of God. Church, when I realize that my life is not hinged on my doing, but rather my receiving, I'm able to breathe a big sigh of relief. I'm able to say, so God, you're telling me the future of my life is not hinged on my doing, but rather my receiving of your grace, that your grace is actually what leads my life in the first place? I mean, isn't there a, a, a weight that lifts all you? You're like, okay, okay. I, I can say in my soul, it is, it is well. It is truly well with my soul. When I realize that my life is in the very capable hands of a loving father, his grace covers me and leads me, I'm able to rest in his grace as opposed to racing through life anxiously. So in order to overcome anxiety in our lives, we must realize our value, which enables us to receive God's grace, which then leads us to our final point, and that is to reset your priorities. Reset your priorities. Friends, I want you to notice that Jesus bookends this passage with a very important word, and that word is therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you've got to ask yourself the question, what is it? Therefore, right? Very good. Jesus' words, first word in this passage is therefore. Now, if you remember from last week, Jesus just spoke on placing our treasures in heavenly things that hold eternal value as compared to placing our treasures in earthly things that will fade away with time. And his word to his listeners, his exhortation to his listeners is essentially to set your priorities right. To set your priorities right, to put your time, energy, and resources into the right places. And so in light of all of that, by the way, if you were here last week, let me just, let me just pause there for a minute. If you were here last week, uh, we had Alan Rathbun from, from the, the, the district office come and share God's word with us, which I thoroughly enjoyed, I appreciate it. But here, I, I, I don't want you to walk away with the wrong message Alan oversees the church planting branch of our, our district. So a lot of his stories were church planting stories. I want you to understand that not all of you are called to be church planters. I hope you didn't walk away feeling like the only kingdom value that I'm going to add is if I plant a church. That, uh, in fact, I know for sure that Alan doesn't believe that, okay? We need people in the corporate world. We need people in, in, in law enforcement. We need people in policymaking industries to be passionate lovers of Jesus who paved the way for the glory of God to come in their work of field, okay? And so the call on everyone is not to, to church plant. The, the message of Jesus is nonetheless the same. Place your treasures in heavenly things that have eternal value. Now, in light of all of that, Store up your treasures in heaven, not on things on earth where moth and rust destroy. In light of all that, Jesus then proceeds to tell his listeners, therefore, in light of all of that, placing your, your treasure on earth, like all of that, store you know, treasures in heaven, in light of all of that, therefore, 
do not be anxious. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to have a hard time connecting the dots. I mean, what does storing treasures in, in, in heaven and not on earth have anything to do with my anxiety? <laughs> it's as if Jesus is saying, our anxiety is hinged on our heart's priority. Our anxiety that we face day to day oftentimes is hinged on our heart's priority. The setting of our priority, or in this case, the resetting of our priority, directly impacts our level of anxiety. Jesus further expounds on this thought when he says at the end of this passage, therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for, for the Gentiles, for the people who don't believe in God, the people who have, who have not placed their faith in Christ, in me, in God, for these Gentiles seek after all these things. In other words, when your top priority is caring for yourself, you're a likely candidate for anxiety. And besides, God's a much carer for your needs than you are, and so why in the world would you ever want to take God's place in that way? And so Jesus says, reset your priorities. And here it is. Jesus says, here's how you do it. Instead of being anxious, he says, verse 33, but rather seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, it's, this is Jesus' way of saying, this people of God is to be your new priority. For a long time, you have lived as you, being the center of the universe, you have, you have taken the place of top priority in your life. Jesus says, that's, that's, that's the roadway, that's the avenue towards anxiety. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to reset your priorities and seek first the kingdom of God. When we get our priorities right, we can enter into the promises of God. And the promise here is, and all these things... All these things that you worried about, all these things that you were anxious about, all these things that you're not so sure about and uncertain about, he says all these things will be added to you. But when our priorities are off, we're going to end up carrying the weight of anxiety. You see, you got to understand, church, anxiety makes life too much about us. That's the nature of anxiety. Anxiety at its core essence is incredibly self-centered. Now listen, I'm not saying that those who wrestle with anxiety are self-centered. I'm saying the nature of anxiety is self-centered and self-focused at its core. You see, for most of us, when we're anxious, we're worrying about ourselves. We're worrying about our needs, our well-being, our future, the uncertainties of my life. For some of you seniors, you're going to be graduating in just a few short months. Newsflash, no, no, if you're aware of that. You're going to be leaving this place in a few short months. And maybe for you, you're like, holy crap, I don't know what my future holds. And you start feeling anxious. How, how many of you know? You, Anyone, anyone can relate to me, like your mind starts racing in a million different directions and all of a sudden panic sets in. Now you have moved on from anxiety feeling like, oh, I'm feeling a little uneasy about life and you're like, oh my gosh, my life is ruined. I don't know what's gonna happen to my life. Anxiety sets in. But listen, when you reset your priorities to make your life not about you but about carrying out God's business, all of a sudden, you're not dealing with anxiety in the same way you used to. All of a sudden, you're able to hold your life just a little bit loosely in your hands. Because at the end of the day, you know that your life is held in the hands of an almighty, all-loving, all-knowing, ever-sufficient God. That's the good news of God's grace. God's grace is strong enough 
to hold on to your life when you don't have the strength to hold on for yourself. That's the good news of God's grace. And listen, when your priorities are reset, so follows your perspective. See, that's the problem with a lot of us. Anxiety skews our perspective. Anxiety skews our perspective to see from the flesh and not from faith. And before you know it, if you're looking at anxiety from, if you're looking at anxiety from, from, from a faith lens, all of a sudden you start looking at anxiety from a different angle. You begin looking at anxiety in a kingdom kind of way, realizing your value that God cares for you more than you can possibly fathom. Are you not of more value than they? Do you get it, church? Do you get it, people of God? Birds of the air, lilies of the field, grass of the field, children of God. Are you not of more value than they? God cares for all of this. How much more will God care for you? And because of that, you can freely come to the Father in heaven and receive God's abundant grace for your life. How many of you know God has grace that is unending? His grace doesn't run dry. His grace knows no limit. It is unlimited favor. It is unlimited provision. It is unlimited care for the people of God. It isn't. So we come to the Father to receive God's abundant grace. How much more will your heavenly Father care for you? And when we reset our priorities, we end up elevating God over ourselves, which then brings heaven peace down to earth. 